Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and I'm extraordinarily pleased to have Jeffrey Hazlett, founder of C-Suite Network with me. Jeffrey, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Always a pleasure to be on your network and your show. Jeffrey, you made one of the most fascinating pivots I have seen in the COVID-19 era. C-Suite Network was driven in large part by you, keynote speaking, attending conferences, attending events with you and your team, and driving business to C-Suite moving forward. Obviously, you couldn't do the live, you couldn't do the conferences, but you were able to pivot in a way that, frankly, I find more powerful and more useful to me as a consumer of C-Suite Network. Could you talk a little bit about how you were able to accomplish that pivot to move virtually? Well, it was just fear. (laughs) Fear drove a lot of it, you know. You reminded me right before this show that a year ago, I said, I just, it's the beginning of COVID and I just made payroll. I mean, that was a big thing. Still living that, you know, to some extent, although much, much better. I didn't have to lay off anyone. But, you know, listen, I was looking at, you know, here we are a year later. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I couldn't even sew a mask. But but what I could be was a business first responder. And I had to treat my business like that, too. I had to be a first responder. It was on triage, just like anyone else's business. You know, I'd put down large deposits for major conferences that were coming up in a month, and no one was going to show up. And no one was going to give me my money back. And And I had to give money back to the people who registered. So it was a bad, bad situation. So what do you do? You just look and say, okay, how can we be different? And we kept trying new things, Tom. Every single day, we'd try something new, you know, to see what would stick. And it would stick. And we'd go, oh, let's go with that. And we'd run with that for a while. And then we'd improve it and improve it and improve it. You know, that was really what we did. And and then it, it really got down to the fundamental piece. Where, well, geez, we really don't have to be together, meaning face-to-face, to do the work that we need to do. If we're building a trusted network of of executive leaders who want to grow their business, their reach, their influence, you know, their knowledge and their lives. Well, we can do that here. We can do that through a, a rectangle on Zoom and we can do it in other ways. And that's exactly what we did. And we just got very, very down and dirty about it in terms of like, you know, roll up our sleeves and, you know, never have I worked so hard for so little. Right. I mean, I think that's the big, fr- I think everyone should have that T-shirt this last year, because that's exactly what I think a lot of people did. But it it transformed a lot of businesses. Well, and it transformed the C-suite network because the numbers of members and the numbers you've generated from March 2020 to March 2021 are just night and day. We doubled the business. And even, well, then you go into like C-suite radio. I mean, we grew listeners by 450% when most podcasts are down. We grew shows by 120%. We grew C-Suite radio podcast by episodes by 132%. And we're already ahead of that number already this year. So, you know, we just onboarded 16 podcasts. We're onboarding 78. We got 102 lined up. It's just amazing to see what's happening. So what struck me is a couple of things. One is the consuming public. It's clear the consumer wants the product you're putting out, which is the C-Suite network. And that is multiple shows per day, deep dives, in uh, some subject matter areas, but engagement by and between the communities in our C-suite groups. So how does that all work together? Well, you kind of have to look at it in different pieces, but I think the key thing is everybody wants to come together and do something together, whatever it is, 
we like to learn, we like to share, we like to cheer. And we what we did was we really started focusing in on those three key things, along with uh, relevancy, reach, and reciprocity in terms of how to help businesses do what they wanted to get from A to point B. But really, it comes down to the fundamental part. We're looking for people who want to be like a tribe, want to get together like we do, like each one of us does. And so we really focus on that. And we focus really on the kinds of people that come in that you have to be a VP or higher. I don't care what size business you are. You could be sitting in one of the rectangles with 3,000 people online right now in one of our meetings, and you don't know that the person next to you is a billionaire or runs a billion-dollar business or doesn't have enough money to make payroll the next day. You don't know. But what you do know is they're all VPs. They're all higher than a VP. They're all executives. They're all leaders of businesses. And that and everybody is in the same boat. Whether you run a business in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on Main Street, or whether you run a business on Wall Street in New York City, the only difference is the numbers of zeros behind that number. But it's all the same. And that's what we find is that everybody likes to come together and help each other. And by giving, that's the big word, right? Because you know that, Tom, when we come to the meetings, we say, what's your gift? What can you give to somebody else? And it might be, hey, I'll give you an interview, or maybe I can be a guest on your show. I'm a sleep uh, expert. Somebody I was talking to yesterday, and I can give you a sleep assessment. Oh, my gosh, could I use that? Whatever it might be. You know, it might even be I'll, I'll listen to you. You know, those are the cool things that we find in the network. Let me change the focus just a little bit and take you to the summer of 2020. Uh, obviously, the social justice movement erupted after the George Floyd death. You always challenge us, I think, to take the most important topics and use whatever forum you have to discuss them. And so I saw you do that with some very heartfelt, but more importantly, difficult conversations with African-Americans about the topic of social justice in the workplace. You've been a a senior executive C-suite. I've been a general counsel at a company. Uh, For those who can't see us, we're both over 60 white males. And we have heard racial diversity discussions in corporations, but what you did was completely different. I wanted to really explore why you thought that was so important, even in the context of the, the hero leader. Yeah, I think we all, especially white white folks, you know, let's just be clear. I think we all think we know what we know, and we all think we know what other people go through, and we don't. And I, and I sit down and started having conversations with black executives, and I like one particular black executive that I talked to. He, he was a special agent, special agent in the FBI. I mean, that's, that says something right there. But, you know, he told I asked him how many times he'd been pulled over, and he told me more times than he could ever count. He's a special agent for the FBI, and he's being profiled and pulled over because he's black and driving around in a Mercedes. That's not right. But I wouldn't know what that's like. You know, I was on a show with Rolanda Watts, who I love dearly, and Rolanda was helping me walk through this. I said, help me walk through this because I'm going to make a mistake. I'm a white guy, and I'm going to screw this up. This isn't going to be good. So, you know, I think, well, black lives matter, blue lives matter. You know, I was like, boom, all lives matter. That's it, period, right? But we should recognize that there are different ways that people approach things and are affected in different ways because of the color of their skin, because of the shape of their body, because they're men, they're women, or we, you know, or I don't even know what the genders are. I'm I'm still struggling with that one. I got to figure that one out. That's my next one is to try to figure that out because I'm afraid to call somebody the wrong thing. Because, you know, nobody wants to wake up in the morning, at least I don't think so, and offend anyone or to be stupid. So my way is is that, look, let's just have freak and open discussions about it. And if I can say, hey, I'm going to make a mistake. And Rolanda was one of the great people that helped me do this. And she's one of our podcasters as well on C-Suite Radio. And I said to her, I said, man, 
if you know those guys would have pulled me over or stopped me like George Floyd been stopped, I wouldn't react to the same way. And she goes, you never would have had, you never would have. I remember that. And I went, holy crap, you are so right. You are so right. That's when it hit me that I am treated different. I am different. And we should recognize those differences. You know, I, in our rooms, I always say, everybody says, well, all, no, I don't see color. You know, we see color. You're white. I'm white. That guy's black. That guy's Asian. That guy, you know, whatever. She's, she's a, I think she's a woman. You know, whatever. I mean, those are the things that we should recognize. And we should be having enough of a, a good grounding of ourselves to be able to say that's okay to talk about. It was eye-opening. And when you have that kind of discussions, if you do hurt someone's feelings or if you do something incorrectly, they know you're coming from a good space. I think that's what most people want to do. They just want to come from a good space. But because sometimes other people don't talk about it, so I'll talk about the things other people won't talk about so they can talk about it. Because I'm good enough in my own skin. I feel comfortable that I'm not trying to hurt anybody. And if I do, man, I'll apologize You know, to the cows come home. Hopefully that's not offensive. I don't know. You know, I'm trying to figure out all those things. But at the same time, I think there's a little bit too much of this, meaning a little too much of of sensitivity around it. And we should just talk about it. We should take the sensitivity around it by just being put it out there. Can't be sensitive. You put it out there. Right. You know, let me change the focus to a very different interview you did, which probably was one of my favorites. And of course, that's the mooch. Oh, Uh, wow. Mucci on the pod. And it was certainly no holes bar. I got to have him back because that was during Trump. And it was like early into Trump's term. And I need to have him back because it would be interesting to, to go back and read his statements or listen to his statements and then come back and see what's going to happen and what his predictions are. You know, he, he gave up his practice, went to work in the White House. It didn't go well. And then stepped away and became one of his biggest critics. But he didn't get it much in the media as he should have probably gotten. I'm surprised by that. Or he just didn't care and he was off doing his own business. I'm not sure. In that podcast, I learned a little bit about you. I didn't know, which is you had a political background as well. Although oh, yeah. it was very different from the Mooch, and it was around George McGovern. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I worked for George McGovern. He was in the United States Senate in 1978, 79, 80. Uh, worked on his campaign in 1980 and was somewhat of a confidant after that, meaning every once in a while he would, you know, after he left office, he would travel around sometimes, and I would say, Hey, I'll uh, you know I'll go with you because what, what what great context? I mean, when you're sitting around a former U.S. senator of that stature, you meet a lot of people, and he served on a lot of boards, and I met a lot of a lot of great people, and I went on to work for Tom Daschle, became Senate Majority Leader. I worked for a lot of congressmen and senators. I was a lobbyist for a number of years, doing work for everything from oh my gosh, seatbelt legislation to term limits. I put term limits on the ballot in 26 states back in 1992. I've passed more state initiatives in the state of South Dakota than any one single person ever has, because I used to just do that a lot. You know, yeah, I was a lobbyist for the Lutheran Brotherhood, eight associations for Lutherans. I think they're called Thrivent now. And, you know, a number of different groups, land surveyors, home builders, architects, engineers. I was all, I lobbied for all those groups years ago. I've worked with the CCO at Thrivent. No, there you go. There you go. Now, let me uh, perhaps conclude with uh, some thoughts. This past week, you and I both participated in the PodFest Global Summit. Yeah. And I wanted to use that as really a a way to discuss something that occurred to me in that summit was I enjoyed consuming the content 
in the virtual manner better than I would at a live event. Now, this is not, you got a great phrase, which is walking the halls. This is not walking the halls, but for a, a listener, I could go to the events I wanted. I was sitting at my desk. I could take notes. I wasn't sitting in a chair trying to type on a computer or take notes in a bad auditorium or bad audio. It really focused my learning. Is there a way we can wed that experience with your concept of really walking the halls to have engagement with the people that you want to see or, or meet? Yeah, I think what you'll see as we snap back after COVID or post-COVID, you won't see that go away. Like, I don't think, I think there's going to be less dining in rest, you know, like fast food restaurants. I think they're almost all going to be drive up, drive up, drive up, order on the app, you pull up, they bring it right out to you. I don't think you're going to have certain things go back to the way it, what, what people would say is normal. We're going to have whatever normal is. And I think with events, I think they're going to be smaller, Tom. I mean, you and I met at that event. Now, had you yeah. and I not been at that event, I'm not sure we would have the kind of success that we have today. But I would not have wanted to meet, I don't know, 60, 70, 80% of the people that were there, but I'd want to meet that 20%. So I think there's going to be a real hybrid where there'll be a local portion of that event where it's face-to-face and that high-level networker, that high-level you know, business person that's in that you know, realm of whatever that is, is going to be there and that's going to be valuable. I don't think it's ever going to be like it used to be where that's the only way. We've come accustomed to this. I like this. You know, look, you're sitting in shorts. I'm I'm sitting in shorts. I don't know what you're wearing, but you probably are. I don't know. I'm wearing shorts and I'm sitting here enjoying my, you know, we're filming, taping this on a, on a Sunday and having a blast. I mean, come on. If we get a little business, a little pleasure. That's the way it is today. It's just changed our life. There's no five-day week. There's a seven-day week and we just do it differently. Well, and the other thing that struck me is I was able to engage with not only the speakers at PodFest Global, but the participants that I had common interests in as well. And that's the one part I hadn't really seen, which is that audience engagement with each other, not with the speakers. So I'm just hoping we can continue to develop this format because I really enjoy it. Well, and I think there's a lot more than just going into a chat room or, or, you know, making comments on a comment thread. So I, I mean, I like seeing people. I like hugging people. I like conjoling with people. I like having a scotch with people. Like, you know, I, I miss that and I want more of that. I will get it back. I don't think we'll have it like it used to be. It won't be to the extent of it. I do think those days are gone. But, you know, in the C-Suite Network, we plan on having lots more digital events, but then we're going to curate some of those little more intimate kind of events. Maybe instead of having 800 people show up as we did, I'll have 100. Okay, we'll have the 100 that really want to get together. Great. And we'll have a great time and enjoy ourselves and get a lot done. And then we can still get online with the 800 or 1,000 that want to get online. Well, Jeffrey, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I wanted to uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me. I always enjoy chatting and uh, learn quite a bit. So thank you very much. Well, Tom Fox, you are a leader in podcasting, and we're so glad to have you on C-Suite Radio. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.